welcome to uh, the Gem of All Mechanisms BCS podcast. We, this is a, a special limited series where we're speaking to all the authors of BCS's new book about uh, women in tech. Uh, now, this is a subject that's been discussed a lot over the years, but we've got a selection of really interesting contributors in this book, uh, raising this issue to another level. And I'm going to have a second chat. I've already done one of these. This is my second one now with Andrea Palmer. So hello, Andrea. Hi, Brian, and thank you for inviting me to, to talk about the book. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Well, perhaps we could just start, uh, Andrea. Could you give us a little bit about, about your background? Yeah, I've been involved with the BCS um, as a silent partner for many years before um, actually getting involved as the treasurer for BCS Women. And last year, I was elected as chair of BCS Women. Um, and the reason that I got involved with the BCS and particularly BCS women was that I wasn't finding any female candidates coming through the door and I was trying to select them, you know, some, someone. All I was getting from the agencies was male, male candidates and I knew that there should be some out there. So I came to the BCS to find out what was going on and ended up getting a lot more involved than I thought but I would. But I'm glad that I have done it and have since gone on to be um, on the council for the BCS um, and the society board and more recently been elected and very proud to be elected to the FTAG. Well we we, uh, we do like people to get involved when they volunteer Andrew obviously we've got you right involved so that's uh, that's good to hear. Well what's your what's your uh, specialist area outside of BCS what do you look what do you look to do? So outside of the BCS, I do a lot of work on digital transformation and business change. So a lot of dealing with different stakeholders um, and trying to make sure that what we actually deliver um, adds value to the businesses that we're supporting. Excellent. Now, obviously, you're well on board with the, the whole idea of the gender balance being so important for that. So can I ask you what attracted you initially to be involved with this particular book? Um, Gillian Arnold. Gillian <laughs> <laughs> um, has been one of my my sponsors outside of work. Um, she's she was the person who encouraged me initially to stand as treasurer and as chair, and also get involved in the council. And she said, because we need people like you who have a different um, perspective and a different way of thinking from the majority of people that are currently involved with the BCS. And whilst I felt uncomfortable, I realized that if I didn't actually step forward then um, and do these things, that I couldn't actually ask other people to do it as well. So that's how I ended up getting involved, really. And that's a hugely valuable attitude, isn't it? It really helps BCS that people like yourself getting involved with that sort of thing as well, taking those, grasping the bull by the horns, yeah, as it and were. It, and it's... Uh, yeah, that's the beauty of um, working you know, or volunteering with the BCS is that you get the opportunity to try things that you may not necessarily wish to try in your work environment. Mm. Um, and you've got support of people who aren't going to be there judging you um, on what your performance was for the end of the year. You get the opportunity to try things and you know, it's a learning process. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I've never found anyone um, who's not supported me in decisions that I've made. So. 
Yeah, that's good to know. So, Andrew, can I ask what your experiences in, in your previous workplaces observed issues with the problems that gender imbalance causes and uh, where's your background in that area, really? Well, I think it's to do with decision making primarily. A lot of decisions, if you all think the same, then you're not actually going to um, provide and get the right result in, in terms of performance. I can, I've interviewed numerous people over the years and I would ask my team who would also get involved and I say, well, which person um, would you think? And invariably they want to choose the person who's most like them. And I said, but that's, that person could do your job. You actually need someone to support you and do something that, and bring something different into that, that way of thinking and do the things that sometimes you don't like. So if you don't like documentation, for example, having someone who's passionate about it, you know, may not necessarily, you may not be able to relate to them immediately, but actually it's really good to bring someone who else into the team who brings different ways of thinking. Um, so for me, um, it's diversity of thought, um, but you, you know, you get different decisions made as well. Um, you know, if you've got a leadership team that is, you know, at least 40% women, you'll get a different perspective than you would if there's only 10% women on, on there. So, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that the first decision that comes along is the right one, but you actually had have a lot more debate about it and mm -hmm. rather than, um, decision by consensus i think is probably <laughs> yeah and that's that's what causes thing, you know companies to thrive is because they they don't just accept what the most senior person is saying they're getting away from groupthink yes exactly okay now we don't want to give away the contents of the book because obviously you know part of the idea of the podcast is to get people to buy it but uh, what, what was your particular contribution what, what was the angle of your contribution so the chapter that I contributed to was how do we attract uh, more women into tech, um, starting from schools all the way up to, um, you know, returners. Um, and, you know, for me, it's looking at if we don't have a pipeline, then we're never actually going to get, get the people in that we want to change the dial from that 17%, which, or you know, around 17%, which has been for the last two decades. Mm. So I looked at different perspectives of what we could actually do to, to make that differences from looking at unconscious biases. Um, but also providing role models, I think, is also key. If you can't see someone like you near the top, then you don't believe that you can actually get there. Yeah, that, did that work for you? Did you did you land up in the the IT sphere because you saw role models, or was it different for you? Um, it was. I had, actually my background was originally biochemistry. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so I fell fell into IT by mistake, um, but I'm incredibly grateful for the person who actually gave me that opportunity, and I think that's where that the attractions side of things is important. Is I, I had done the biochemistry but and had gone for a role as a computer operator and they said no we don't want to give you the role as computer operator which I, left me a little confused at, in the interview and they said 
but the reason that um, we believe you will make a really good programmer so we want to give you the opportunity as a trainee programmer and it was their foresight to know that I had transferable skills that would enable me to be a good programmer and my analytical skills that I'd gained through biochemistry so I think you know for me that's really important that particularly today in today's age where you know, digital technologies are changing at the rate of knots and we need to be able to adapt. But it, if you've got that mind, right growth mindset, then it's possible to do. That's interesting. In the past, it's been quite well documented that physics has been quite a good lead into uh, computer science, hasn't it, as well? So biochemistry is a slightly, slightly different one, isn't it? Do you, I, do you think you're more aware of the whole idea of transferable skills because of your, your route in? Yes, and I, I try to encourage people to think about looking at things from a different different way because if, um, you know, nowadays the, with all the tech that's out there, I say don't pink it and shrink it <laughs> the, with all the phones and the apps. Actually, you know, women are, are probably the, one of the most um, avid users of mobile apps and games on your phones but they're still designed primarily by men. Mm. Well, you know, there's numerous artistic women who could actually design the games and make those things that are, are suitable for women rather than just um, just men designing and thinking that they can sell it to men, to women. It, you know, it's, it's about thinking, you know, turning things on their head a little bit. I think that's probably what it has taught me is not to accept the, the norm in lots of ways. Interesting. Now, this is the a question I'm going to ask every one of the uh, authors of, of this book, uh, and it's quite a straight one. You can be as straight as you like, um, the, and I'll just read it as I've written it. On the need to get male buy-in, tell us straight, what should men be doing? Doing reverse mentoring. Go okay. out and listen to what the challenges that women are having in the workplace, why women think that they're struggling to um, get promoted or um, or see opportunities. Um, a lot of people, do, you know, but re reverse mentoring is key to understanding the challenges that women face in the workplace. And just assuming that you know is is not good enough. You need to listen to it. To the, you know, women understand what the problems are, um, and I think men only really start to notice it um, when they have daughters that aren't, that they want to succeed in the same environment that they've succeeded in. Mm. But there are lots of little things that you can, can do to make a difference and to understand you know, that women don't always put themselves forward. So how can you actually help them put them so, you know, and prepare them for promotion? You know, we'll, as a as a woman, you'll quite often go, well, I can't do, you know, twenty five percent of that, so I'm not going to apply. But right. a man, man may look at it and go, well, I can do fifty percent, so I'm going to give it a go. Mm. Uh, and you know, but just knowing that that maybe you can um, help and say, you know, why don't you give this a go? And I think one of my mentors said to me. How would you feel if X got the job instead of you? Right. <laughs> and that went, I wouldn't be very happy. And he went, well, there you go. Go ahead and apply for it. That's an interesting approach. 
I, it seems to me there might be um, some reticence, I suppose, uh, for women to actually give their experience to a to a bloke. Maybe if they per- perceive them as being in a in a in an important position or some such. Have you got any tips for making for for chaps to be able to make that conversation as comfortable as possible for the person they're speaking to? Yeah, open and honest. You know, build build a trusting relationship. You know, mm-hmm. um, show that you you actually mean what you say. Yeah. Um, if you if it's incongruent, then we, you know people pick up on it, whether you're male or female. You know whether that's true. And you know, while some people will will accept some incongruence, the majority of women won't, and they they just go, well, if that's the case, then I don't. That's not the right place for me. So right. you've got to create an environment and a culture that women want to remain and work in. Excellent, thank you. Do you think there's there's one key change that we could make in the short term to start to remedy the gender imbalance? I, I think perhaps it's not so likely because it's been so long. It's just a very multifaceted problem. It is multifaceted. I don't think there's no magic wand to be weighed. No. I would say um, it's a, a matter of lots of different things. That, you know, um, in the past, you know, people have talked. And you know, whilst it's important doing unconscious bias training, and as you mentioned earlier about groupthink, you know, all of those things are really important. But just training everyone is not the only answer. There's a whole host of different things, and putting and social media has changed things. I think a lot. Um, so um, maybe one of the things is um, showcasing your your talent. Um, whether mm. you're at a, at a fair or whether you're doing it online and show people that there are people like them out there and that you're serious and if you haven't got the faces that you want you know talk about what you're doing to create to create those environments to attract the talent in yeah okay that's really interesting thank you for speaking to us today Andrew the, the book's out now it's on the BCS bookshop. It's also on Amazon and, uh, you know, other vendors are available. I'd like to ask you one more question, if that's OK. And this is one I'd like to ask of all our, our podcast guests, which is who are inspirational figures for you? Could be in this area of, of representation, could be just generally in computing uh, or, or in life, really. Who are your sort of go-to people? So Gillian is one of them, um, obviously. Um, then there's a, a lady who was... Uh, my CIO, who I was a business manager for, a lady called Lynn Grobler. Um, and she taught me the importance of diversity and inclusion and to push back when um, there weren't the right balance of people coming through through the, through the door for interviewing. And she did that to the, all of her leadership team and said, I'm not going to sign that off until um, you've interviewed 50% women mm. and whilst that's difficult and the other part was, that she always said was make sure you provide them with feedback because women generally won't ask for feedback okay um so make sure you explain to them why they haven't got the role if they're unsuccessful so that they know what they need to do next yeah thank you Andrea we we appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today Thank you very much, Brian.